This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. I'm James Manning. Joining me is Andrew Mercado. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. Lots to talk about uh, on the podcast um, today. And um, Look, the Olympic Games have been on. Everybody's been holding new shows till after the Olympic Games finished and there's just they've just unloaded big time. Um, so we'll try and get across some of those. I've got a couple of questions for you towards the end. I've got to ask you about a ranking of the uh, streaming services we did, get a little bit of feedback from you on that. Plus, I've got a question to put to you that I put to Patrick Delaney earlier this week. Now, he disagreed with me on it, so I'd be really interested to get <laughs> to get to get your feedback. Um <laughs> I guess it was more a uh, comment than a question, but but yeah. I, I framed it as a question. I just wanted to start briefly with the Olympics. Um, it's probably not your cup of tea. Did you get to watch much of it? Well, look, I obviously don't watch a lot of sports on TV and I have very particular sports that I want to watch and I only want to watch those sports. So sometimes a very kind friend would text me and say, diving now, seven. <laughs> and I could find it that way, but... One of the things I really liked about this year was I was able to go to the 7 Plus app through my TV and go through and look for what was there. So I was able to find the sports I wanted to watch and you could watch them back as full replays or you could watch them back as minis. I didn't love the minis as much because the minis, there would be 20 competitors, but they would only show you about five so that you knew you know, you you could figure out who was going to win. Sure. But, you know, I did, somebody wrote an article somewhere when the Olympics were on and said, well, this is really going to change TV now. Because I think in the past we've had those options to watch online before. But let's face it, five years ago we didn't have 7 Plus embedded in our TVs the way that we have today. And I certainly do think that, the majority of Olympics watching I watched was via the 7 Plus app. I watched very, very little of the stuff going live. Yeah. I guess I'm almost the uh, direct opposite of that. I um, I like the Olympics and I watched a lot of it, but I found that um, what 7 or 7 Mate, sometimes 7 Two was showing was sort of enough. I did go sometimes to 7 Plus, but I just found it a little bit frustrating going from broadcast to the app because there's a delay. You get the pre-roll ad every time. You can't change channels quickly. So it was great for if you wanted to just sit down and just watch a whole sport um, pretty much largely uh, uninterrupted. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I just thought Seven did a pretty good job of um, managing because I like to go jump across when something big was happening, you know, if there was a medal up or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. The The thing that uh, struck me most was about it was how many Australians really got so involved in it. You know, it did, did fantastic figures. I mean, we expected it would do pretty well because of the time zone. You know, it's in Japan. So it's virtually same time zone as we are. I think, what is it, an hour's difference? Yeah. Uh, or is it two hours? But whatever, it's close. Um, but the numbers, you know, now this was the first games that wasn't partly behind a paywall since 2008 because in uh, at Rio, Seven tried 
a paywall. You had to pay money to watch part of it on 7 Plus. Didn't work very well, I don't think. And then for London in 2012, Foxtel had a lot of the rights. So I think they shared it with nine. And, of course, for everything Foxtel was showing, that was behind a paywall and you had to be a Foxtel subscriber. Um, Those those ratings were way what we thought seven were going to get. Well, certainly more than I thought because, to me, going into the Olympics, there was zero buzz. All there was was news coverage that the Japanese people didn't want it because of COVID. Uh, Even when they were arriving, the reporters were saying there's nothing in the streets. You wouldn't know the Olympics are on. I was like, oh, dear. But look, once the actual sport started, in fact, from the opening ceremony, the audience was there. And let's face it, a lot of that audience was in lockdown. I call these the lockdown Olympics. This was the perfect time uh, with so many of us going into lockdown more and more to be able to watch more Olympics. I did feel sorry every time I saw an empty grandstand or arena. I felt sorry for the Japanese people who'd been really looking forward to this, you know, and they'd just to have it sort of just taken away. I mean, they they still got the games, which is the plus side, I guess. Yeah. But the the work the organisers went to in building all those stadiums, you know, fitting out all those grounds with all that seating and then just most of it completely empty for the two weeks was a little bit sad. But, yeah, look, it did did fantastic uh, business for Seven, and I think it's, you know, rekindled interest in broadcasters getting rights because next time we're in Paris and then it's LA 28 and then we've got Brisbane. So there's a, there's a lot of attractions there, I think, for, for viewers um, with the forthcoming three games. I mean, I'd watch anything set in a nice Paris location, you know, just because of the, the, the scenery. Somebody sent me a photo yesterday of where the um, dressage and the, the show jumping is going to be held. It's just a, an amazing setup. It just looks gorgeous, you know, with parklands on the side of it. And I just can imagine all these great backdrops for a lot of the sports when it's in Paris. In, it's only three years away. And, I mean, the broadcasters must be looking at the new shows that Seven were advertising and promoting during the Olympics and the audiences that have come to those shows. I mean... I'm sure it's happened in previous years, but to see The Voice getting twice as many viewers as The Block is just, I mean, it's incredible to me to think that they've, they've seven took The Voice off nine, halved the budget, can't see that on screen. It looks exactly the same show for me. So well done on saving all that money. And it's getting twice as much of the audience as the block is getting. And the block is a surefire hit for nine. They just must be wringing their necks trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, look, I, I don't know if that gap will um, continue. And, of course, the, the voice will be over. I think it will run for three weeks, maybe, maybe four uh, the block's got 12 weeks, you know, so I think those block audiences will grow. The room reveals on Sunday night I think will be pretty big. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is a staggering. Um, seven have just got the Midas touch at the moment, haven't oh. they, you know? Yeah, it's really, really working. I mean, even that show they did the other night, Australia Now and Then, even that one, it's time slot. You know, I'm making jokes about that on Have You Been Paying Attention on Monday night. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but it was like this running joke through the show. Oh, Sam Payne, you're on now and then. Ha, ha, you're on now and then. Ha, ha. And, of course, then it goes to air. Look at those ratings. Mm, Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, 
Well, look, while you've mentioned that, let's talk about it. So those sort of comedy panel shows, everybody's getting in on the action now. You mentioned, have you been paying attention? We've got the cheap seats, which is something similar, although with a, a smaller panel of, of two with guests, I guess, on Tuesday nights. Um, the 100 with Andy Lee and Australia Now and Then with Shane Jacobson. To me, it's too many. Yeah. Even though I enjoy those shows, not I, I really enjoy um have you been paying attention? To me it's filler TV. Yeah. If if there's not some some big ticket drama or something else I need to watch, I'll fill up my time with those. But I can't see them all surviving. And of course we've got another similar one too with uh, Will Anderson and Jan Fran starting soon talk called Question Everything. So there's a lot of it about at the moment. Look, also the the uh, sevens panel show Australia now and then. I mean, that's a cheap show to make, James. It's basically twenty to one. It was people talking in front of a green screen. I mean, there's poor old nine doing the hundred with Andy Lee and having that set with a hundred people on Zoom cost a lot more more money than now <laughs> and then. Didn't get more viewers. So yeah, it's like things have gone crazy in TV. And look. You know, I watched both of those shows and, you know, they're both okay, but I wouldn't cancel appointments to watch them the next week, you know. Um, I'm like you. It's there if you're flicking the the tube and you're too lazy to switch to a streaming service, but I can't see. There's no way that all three shows will survive. But, look, the cheap seats is probably the cheapest show to make out of all of them and and knowing Ken, they're probably going to, you know, just let that sit there quietly and let it find its feet because it hasn't quite found the feet as we talked about on our last podcast. Sure. You mentioned the cost of uh, making Australia now and then. It's got Sam Pang, so it can't be that cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Sam Pang Pang sort of reputedly, you know, one of the higher paid people in the media. He's got his uh, breakfast radio deal with Nova. He's on uh, the front bar at seven. He's also on Have You Been Paying Attention? Now he's also on this show. So I, I think, it, you know, it takes a um, a fair investment to get him interested in a program, if you like. Um, we Another show which started this week, and it sort of crept back in without very much publicity at all, was Australian Crime Stories. Um, already up to season five, it started last night um, we're recording this on a Wednesday. It came back on a Tuesday evening. It, it, it debuted only in um, Sydney and Brisbane. Uh, the rest of Australia gets to see it on Wednesday night this week. But it started with a really interesting episode called Who Killed Juanita? Uh, look at the 1975 disappearance of Juanita Nielsen. Okay, so first of all, today's Thursday. And secondly... Oh. <laughs> Secondly, the Juanita Nelson opening episode was very interesting to me because the ABC has a new documentary series on what happened to Juanita Nielsen starting, I think, on September the 7th. It's there on the ABC preview site to watch, and I'm dying to watch it, but, you know, I don't like to watch things too far away from broadcast because I like to be fresh on what they're like. And I I did wonder if that's a coincidence or whether or not that's a bit of a spoiler. Let's get get it out there because uh, I didn't watch Australian Crime Stories. You're right, I didn't even know it was on. I was watching the last episode of Sean McCaleb's Mad as Hell and, you know, that's where my attention was last night. Right, okay. Yeah, The um, it was interesting. Yeah, I think they have been working on this Juanita Nielsen uh, episode. I know that uh, Jerry and Brian who work at the Full Box 
Um, they have been working on this particular episode for quite a while. They tracked down a, a journalist. I think it's Barry. can't remember his surname. But a, a guy who used to work in Sydney back in the um, 70s. They tracked him down in the UK. And he had some pretty out there, if you like, but some interesting theories about what might have happened. Um, so that was interesting, uh, apart from what they managed to throw up during the um, the episode back here in Sydney, and they sort of um, they said, "Look, yeah, it seems pretty certain." So, well, the, the title was killed. Uh, the episode was called "Who Who Killed Juanita." Of course, no one's ever been charged with any murder. Yeah, I think someone was charged with her abduction, but that that was the um, as far as it got in the investigation. I think they would have probably got knew about the other one, thought, look, we want to try and get to air first. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if they would say, look, let's spoil it, but if they were both working on one, it's obviously important, I think, to get out there first. And the other, the, what the ABC is doing might be a bit of a deeper dive into it, but um, I thought it was a really interesting, it was a good start to this season. I think there's five episodes. Um, there's sort of a, they usually do 10, but there's, split up, I think, season five into two groups of uh, five episodes. Yeah. So um, um, that's more to come. A Revel Belmain's one of the other episodes, uh, a case a lot, of we, uh, a lot of people, especially in Sydney, would be familiar with, uh, 1994, 22-year-old dancer and model um, disappeared, which remains a mystery until these days. A uh, few new dramas coming up. Let's start with RFDS. Now, that did start on Wednesday night, which was last night when we were recording this. <laughs> and it rated pretty good, didn't it? 604,000? Excellent. Yeah, fantastic. Time slot. That's pretty good for an, a brand-new Australian drama when you think about some of the others that have launched with under half a million. Sure. Yeah, no, it's very good. Now, we, we've, I don't think we've actually talked about it here. We did a special podcast on right. RFDS with Imogen Banks, the co-creator and executive producer. So look out for that one. But, yeah, um, we both enjoyed it, didn't we? I thought it's a great, um, it's a great show. And um, if, I think if you watched the first one, stayed through it, you'd be happy to uh, look forward to the rest of the season. And two of my friends that listened to the podcast was sending me messages last night while the show was on air saying, you were right, this is great, this is the best <laughs> drama on commercial TV in years. So that's a good rap. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the um, we've um, uh, watching a, a bit of that episode again. Again, I was impressed by the cast. Um, we talk a little bit about Emma Hamilton, the, the star of the show, neither of us knew much about her before this uh, season started. So look out for her. We talked a little bit about you did in particular how big the original the Flying Doctors. Well, I say original; it's a different series, so it, it's mm. it's um, similar but different. The Flying Doctors, how big it was in other territories, and already, uh, I think it's Banerjee who's doing the um, formats, the um, series sales have signed up six. Uh, countries that we know about to take this series. So I think there'll be a lot of interest and this will attract some big audiences around the world. Yeah, I think this is a show that we'll probably see screening on networks overseas too. It isn't something that's going to stream. I think the the popularity of The Flying Doctors overseas is going 
to work really, really well for international sales of RFDS because the show's good and people remember the old show with great affection. Yeah, yeah. Now, something that's starting a couple of days after we record this is the newsreader yeah. coming to the ABC. Now, I've just I've watched that just before we started today, actually. I thought, look, I've got to check this out. So I watched that first episode. Wow, is that a cracker? Yeah, well, I've watched four episodes now. And, you know, if, the, if five and six are up on the ABC side, I'll be watching those tonight. But I get the feeling I'm going to be let down there. Um, look, it's great. Uh, and what I really, really like about it is that you've got to pay a lot of attention to what's going on because what you think is happening in the first couple of episodes is not happening, and that's all I'm going to say about it. There's no plot spoilers. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's, it's the first time in a long time, though, actually, where I've watched a drama and thought to myself, gee, wouldn't it be nice if... And then started going, hang on a second, I actually think that's going to happen. Uh, mm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like a wish fulfilment to me. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, we, my Media Week column this week, James, is going to be about the fact that the newsreader is the type of Australian drama that can only be made by the public broadcasters because every commercial network in this country will say to you, oh, no, TV shows about TV don't work. They don't rate. Mm. You know, so I think the newsreader is uh, on the ABC for, for that very good reason. And, and the truth is that if you actually do it really well and you do some, you know, great casting and some great stories, uh, it can work. Uh, the series created by uh, Michael Lucas and uh, directed by Emma Freeman, uh, produced by Lucas and Joanna Werner. Now, Emma Freeman and Joanna Werner, with Anna Torv, who's the star of um, Newsread, of course, all work together on Secret City. Oh, right. Yeah, so they're, they're all getting back together. And before we get too more into the, some of the detail, Sam Reed. Wow, how good. How good to you. Oh, it's fantastic. But also, look, pay attention to those supporting characters too. I mean, to see Mark Downey from Fast Forward playing the wife of the veteran newsreader as played by Robert Taylor, and she's a real piece of work. And, yeah, she's a real steam sealer in this one, Mark Downey. And William McGuinness is the um, frazzled head of news and current affairs at um, at the frazzled or or scary boss James. Come on, this this guy. You know, you, you we all know that those type of men men exist in newsrooms then and probably still exist there today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I kept looking at him and I kept thinking of a David Lecky sort of style, big, verbose, you know, loud. Um, He's sort of mean, but he means well. He doesn't, you know, he's not, um, he doesn't pick on people. He just, no. he's got a strange way of motivating perhaps, you know, and an unusual way of motivating perhaps if you like. But um, 
And, and I think what, what I think is really nice about it is that, you know, there, there's an article in one of the newspapers today with, uh, or maybe it's TV tonight, with Michael Lucas saying, look, the, the female newsreader is not yarn event. You need to understand that. Um, and you know what? When people actually watch the show, I actually don't think there's a yarn event vibe to the female newsreader. Like what I love about it is that you're not looking at a character going, oh, that's so-and-so. I can see what they're doing there the way it is where I watch other shows and I go, oh, well, that's taken from that person's life and that's taken from that person's life. I'm not seeing that in the newsread. It's it's kind of existing in its own universe with characters that are believable because they're in history and things are happening that we've lived through, so it's believable. But it's not like I'm watching it thinking, oh, this is an expose on Seven's newsroom or Ten's newsroom. It's not. It's its own beast. It's very clever. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's great. So oh, you, you've intrigued me now about where it might be going. I'm having a bit of a guess and thinking, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I think I know what he's perhaps hinting at, but um, I, I don't know at all. So I'm really looking forward to uh, watching the rest of those series. So that's going to be Sunday nights on the ABC. I don't think they're putting it in advance up on um, iView, so you, we might have to wait a week at a time. It's funny, I was, I, was, I was actually hanging out the clothes before thinking about that <laughs> and thinking to myself, I wonder, and, and I, I, I'm like you, I don't think they're putting it all up to binge. And you know what? What I'm talking about with the very intricate storytelling, I don't think you'd want it up there for people to watch all in one hit and then say to the person that's watching it week by week, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, this is something everyone's got to sit and digest week by week and and, and see if they can figure it out. Yeah. Okay. That's excellent. Uh, set in, um, I think it's 1986. 86. Yeah. yeah the, the, the year of the Challenger disaster was um, one of the sort of key moments in that um, first episode. Yeah. Uh, another series, this time we're watching Stan. It's a show called Hacks. And um, this one does take you back to a very particular person that you uh, think about. It's about an uh, American stand-up comedian getting towards the end of her career, if you like. She's got a Vegas residency. Yeah. Um, and you can't help but think a little bit about uh, Joan Rivers when you watch this, Andrew. Well, there's something very, very specific in it that is absolutely from Joan Rivers' life. At first I was watching it going, she seems a little bit Lucille Ball to me, but then around episode three or four, this revelation about something that happened in her life, and I'm like, well, that is absolutely what happened to Joan Rivers. So, yeah, that is a show that is absolutely taking things from real people, putting them into a blender, mixing it up so that, Lucianez and Melissa Reeves can't sue the makers. Uh, yeah, so, but, yeah, it's when this moment happens with Joan Rivers, I don't know whether you remember, James, but Joan Rivers used to be uh, a regular guest on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Yeah. And then she got offered her own show on Fox and she took it and Johnny Carson never spoke to her again. And that show failed. And what happened after that, that is absolutely uh, in the background for the Deborah Vance character as played so wonderfully by Jean Smart in Hacks. Yeah. Yeah, she's just wonderful, Jean Smart, in this, and she's just brilliant. It's just fantastic. The, um, the, the sort of co-star, if you like, is not somebody I know much about, and I think she's pretty much a newcomer, Hannah Einbinder. Einbinder? Yeah. I've never heard of him. 
Yeah, yeah. I had a quick look on her um, CV before, and she's done very little else. So she carries out this role fantastically. She comes on to work as her her um, comedy writer. That she's thrown together. Um, her agent um, Deborah Vance's agent thinks that look to help help reignite her career a little bit. Maybe she should get a an edgy comedy writer, and she puts the two together. And of course, they butt head straight away, and it just looks yeah. like it, it's never going to work. But then the the friendship grows, and um, we see that develop across the series. Um, it's not a terrible lot of substance, I felt at times, but it's not that sort of show though. It's um, it's it's fairly lightweight. It's uh, it's a comedy. I don't think it pretends to be anything too deep. Well, I don't know. I just I think I've watched like five or six episodes, and I know that when I left it, it had taken a very dark turn. Okay. Really dark. And that I didn't see that coming. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's still moments that keep watching because it, it, it ends up, uh, I was quite shocked by the cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, Favourite actor is probably uh, Marcus, um, Who's uh, Deborah Vance's uh, chief operating officer or sort of um, executive assistant, played by Carl Clemens Hopkins? He's just fantastic. Well, I I love Caitlin Olsen playing her drug addicted daughter yes. trying to start a, a jewelry <laughs> business. So hilarious. She's from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right. She had a short lived series on Fox called The Mick, which was hilarious. Uh, so I'm a massive fan of her, so I was very pleased to see her in the cast. Okay. So that's on Stan. It's a show called Hacks. I think it was on HBO Max in the US, and it's got a truckload of Emmy nominations, in, including one for both uh, Gene Smart and, and Hannah. So um, I expect that to be amongst the, um, the trophies when they're handed out. Um, so it's sort of next month already, I think, the Emmys. They're usually on in September. They are. Just before the start of the US fall season starts, they they have the Emmys and they've just announced they're doing a kind of an outdoor ceremony. I believe so. At least they're going to have one. It's probably more than we'll get with the uh, Logies this year. <laughs> Look like being um, delayed or postponed or, or cancelled if yeah. uh, this COVID uh, calamity keeps up. A show I've watched, I'm not sure if you caught up with it all, is Mr Corman on Apple TV. It's a show starring, created by and written by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I love him. I love him so much and <laughs> it's been on my list of things to do and I've just started, I watched the first one this morning in preparation okay. for this. Oh, yeah. I the whole thing. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, he is good. Just the, I don't know, the, the sort of, he brings a certain ambience to it, doesn't he? He's, he's very relaxed. He's in control as an actor. But you can sort of, you get the feeling he's all over this. He's just, you know, he plays a uh, fifth grade uh, school teacher in Los Angeles. I think it's set in Los Angeles, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, he's anxious, he's lonely, um, and it's just fascinating what happens. Um, watch out for Deborah Winger, who plays his mum in this. Oh, my God, that was, I was looking at her going, <laughs> is that woman's vaguely familiar to me? Is that Bonnie Bedelia that used to be in the play uh, Bruce Willis's wife in the Die Hards movie. Oh, my God, it's Deborah Winger, James. Yeah. Oh, my head exploded. <laughs> so that's another reason to go back and uh, get into it again and have a have a good look at it. But, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good fun. Again, I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. Um, I think 
I don't have access to the previews. I'm just watching it when it goes up. But they put up two episodes, and I think it's just going week by week. So there's going to be 10 episodes in all. But I think there's certainly enough there to, to keep me intrigued and to keep me watching. I know we both like this one. It's not a drama. It's sort of a uh, it's a factual. It's a travel show. Uh, Joanna Lumley's back hosting another travelogue. This was actually called Joanna Lumley's Home Sweet Home when it aired in the UK on ITV. Mm. But um, for obvious reasons, they sort of changed the name here and they're calling it Joanna Lumley's Britain. But how good was that first episode? Oh, yeah, it was great. And, of course, I know why you know that she went back to the set of Coronation Street and reunited with William Roach, who was played her on-screen lover in 1973. Wow, I just loved it. The whole, I mean, I'll watch any travel series with Joanna Lumley, but, uh, yeah, I particularly loved that moment. Yeah, I think it was something. I mean, I loved it too because I've got family in uh, Manchester, so I just loved that uh, she visited the set there in Manchester. And actually most of the, the series was set uh, in, around the outskirts of Manchester in the Peak District, up in the Lake District, so nowhere too far away, but it really made me want to travel to the UK. Yeah. <laughs> and I kept thinking through this, gee, at least this is on because we're not going to get to go there anytime soon, I don't think. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, but there, there's only three episodes in this, so um, so w- watch out for those. The um, they're up on iView again. They're not putting them up in advance, so you they're just going to throw them up week by week. The other yep. interesting thing she visited was that uh, Aston Martin factory. Yeah, that was so interesting. Can you believe the price of those cars? They're making twenty five replicas of the um. Is it the DB5? I think it is the... The James the, Bond car. Mate. Yeah, the James Bond car. But yeah. the 25 of them, it's, it's over £2 million of car they'll be selling them for. 0.75 million pounds <laughs> each. Holy hell. So that's roughly $5 million Aussie dollars. I mean, You'd be too scared to drive it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you just have it on a little Dias in your mansion, turning oh. around going, there's my James Bond car? It's ridiculous. Like in episode two, she goes up to Scotland and, gee whiz, that's on my bucket list. I've only ever been to Edinburgh. I'd love to get around a bit more of Scotland, so I'll be certainly looking for uh, for that one. She gets into Northern Ireland as well, goes on the um, Game of Thrones um, uh, experience, the sort of uh, tra- the tour they do up there to all the places where they film Game of Thrones. And uh, the season finishes up in uh, North Wales, so, uh, and then back into London, her hometown. So that's a fantastic viewing. So a, a couple of other things then before I um, before we wind up today. This this thing I put to uh, Patrick Delaney earlier this week. We were talking about and Foxtel and released some pretty stunning um, subscription numbers uh, at the end of last week. So on Friday last week, they had the update on there every six months. They update on their audiences. Now, they've got nearly 4 million subscribers to either the Foxtel service or one of the streaming platforms, which is uh, a new record. It's virtually split between, let's call it, round it off, 2 million people are watching Foxtel, 1 million are watching KO, and 1 million are watching Binge. And Foxtel have been promoting how this is such a big deal. It's really turned around the business. The business was going through a lull. 
the last couple of years, they need to define some new revenue streams. And that's what these binge platforms have, uh, these streaming platforms have done. So binge and KO brought in another 2 million people. I ask, I get the feeling they still need some more because binges are terribly, it's cheap, it's like 10 bucks for what you get. I yeah. reckon it's the bargain of the century. But anyway, but I said to him, I said, will this now, now that the company's on a better financial footing, would you be able to make more Australian drama? You seem to be a, a little bit light on there at the moment. And I said, look, I would have thought at the bare minimum you should probably be making 12 Australian originals a year, so one a month, but you could split them. They don't all have to be drama, so maybe six drama, six factual, let's say, yeah. right, for lifestyle. And he disagreed. He said, look, we're doing four a year. That's and he, ended, he implied that's all the audience wants, but I I thought to him I but I reckon for the money Foxtel charges I reckon the bare minimum is six premium dramas maybe a few more. What do you reckon? Well, of course I'll agree with you. I love dramas and Foxtel dramas in particular have been able to take advantage of being a niche market and be bold and take risks that the commercial networks aren't prepared to make. And, you know, they really, they really have, have been, I can't even think of one off the top of my head, a Foxtel drama miss. They've, they've got a really good track record in this. So, you know, I think it's actually concerning at the moment. We've got Wentworth about to finish. There doesn't seem like there's been a replacement yet for A Place to Call Home, which ended several years ago. It's like, okay, well, where are these new dramas? Like, come on, we need to see them. Um, Mr. Inbetween's just finished. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they do such great dramas. I'm not a fan of, oh, don't make us follow any drama content quota points and we'll decide because the audience wants reality and lifestyle. I don't believe that. I'm with you, James. I think that if you're paying a lot of money to keep that box and all those channels in your house, you want the type of premium drama that they have been delivering since 2007 when they made Love My Way. Yeah, look, I, I concur with that, um, Andrew, for sure. Um, I, I know they have been impacted by COVID. Okay, yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. But I'm still wondering where are the announcements about what you're doing? Heath, he said, look, there's stuff in production that they haven't announced yet. Okay, well, you know, I think the audience would like to know that there's more coming Yeah, because the platform without that those big ticket Australian uh, dramas, and as you say, Wentworth starting any moment, and it's when that's gone, the cupboard will look pretty bare, won't it? You know. Yeah, there's ten so. episodes I think of Wentworth, and they started, you know, in a couple of weeks' time. And when that comes to an end, that that's when they should be making announcements of what comes next. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And just just quickly on, um, do you tell me a little bit about um, Wentworth? We because it's still um, still a. a over a week away, I mean, August 24, the yeah. um, the final season called The Final Sentence, those 10 episodes start. Have you got to see any of that yet? 
I haven't watched the first, there's two, the two episodes have been sent to critics. I haven't watched it. I watched yesterday Wentworth Untucked, which is behind the scenes special that they've made to, to get people, you know, frothing at the mouth about this new season. And, and something that maybe I'd read or hadn't paid attention to, my head exploded again when I discovered that Tina Bursal, who was in the original Prisoner, is coming into Wentworth to play Eve Wilder, another very important character from the Annals of Prisoner. She was in the later years, played by Linda Stoner, um, and she's pretty evil. And from what I saw on this special, I actually turned the special off and it was like, I don't want plot spoilers. I don't need to know about what's happening. I just want it to unfold. But the Tina Bursal character is going to team up with Joan the Freak Ferguson. So I think it's going to be a incredible last 10 episodes. I can't wait to start watching it. It's very exciting, but it's also very sad. It's a, it's a great show, but all good things have to come to an end eventually. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, we'll cover that in a bit more detail on our um, on our next podcast. One other question for you. Um, we ranked the, because it's a, a pretty big week in streaming with the launch of Paramount+. Plus. Um, it's getting a lot of publicity. It's putting a lot of publicity, a lot of um, the spotlight on that sector, if you like. People are looking at at what's out there and no doubt doing their sums on, gee, we should I, should I, you know, extend what I'm spending on streaming to have a look at Paramount Plus? Can I afford to add one more or do I need to get rid of one service I've got that I'm not watching much? Now, I ranked the um, a little bit of help from my colleagues. We looked at and put them in some sort of order, the top 10 streaming platforms. So we'll, I'll just run through that list quickly and yeah. give me a yell out on what you would disagree with, you, what you think should be higher or should be lower, okay? So we we start at number one with Binge. I just think for the, the deal you get for 10 bucks, that's um, that's worthy of the top spot. I mean, a lot of people would assume Netflix would be number one. But for me, I don't know, I'm just, I'm not watching a lot of Netflix recently, to be honest. Look, I'm a drama guy and that binge has the HBO shows and it has those premium Foxtel dramas we've just been talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the HBO library is impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so Netflix number two, Stand 3, Disney Plus 4 and Paramount at 5. Again, I, you know... It's a bit early maybe to put it at number five, but yeah. I thought, look, I just put it there on the promise they're making to viewers. And, I mean, it's not a bad deal financially, nine nine bucks a month. And there's, we put a podcast up earlier this week with the um, Jared Avalani and Bevan McGarvey, the people who run um, Biocom CBS in Australia, and they, they implied in that, and I sort of got it, if they have one major release Paramount Pictures movie a month, first-run premiere, that almost justifies the spend, you know? First-run movie. I, I don't sign up to streaming services for movies, Jane. I sign up to streaming services for drama. And at the <laughs> moment, I would not be putting Paramount at number five. I'd be putting Apple TV Plus because yeah. they've got some extraordinary stuff at the moment. They've got uh, Ted Lasso and Physical and Mr. Corman and Schmigadoon and Visible, some of the best shows that I'm, I'm saying to all my friends at the moment in lockdown, they go, what are your tip? I'm saying my tip is sign up to Apple TV. I'll reel off five shows for you you could watch straight away. 
Now, there's there's some good stuff on Paramount, but it's still a little bit on the the the, the slim side for me. I've got I'm got working my way through series two of Five Bedrooms. I love that. That's the first thing I'm watching on it. Uh, I'm going to watch the second series of Why Women Kill, uh, the Mark Cherry one that's been on SBS on demand, um, and then. There wasn't much else for me to watch on Paramount Plus just yet. It's a great list of what's coming. They're not there at launch. And the other thing I would beg Paramount to do is they've got all of these movies from Paramount and that is an incredible movie library to have. But the the groupings for them are ridiculous. Like it goes crime, crime drama, crime comedy. It's like, are you kidding me? Crime, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> How about classic? How about, like, I immediately, if I go to a movie list, I want to go to the classics and see if they've got The Godfather and see what films they've got from the 60s and 70s. Paramount Plus isn't doing that at the moment. They've got all these categories, but they're all variations. There's romantic drama and romantic comedy. Come on. How about someone getting in there and curating it? How about an LGBT category like they have on Stan? You know, have a look at what the others are offering. Some of those categories on some of the other streamers are really great. You can go straight to that and look for what you're looking for. And Paramount Plus, it's early. I don't want to bag them because it's day two, but that site still needs just a little bit more work and finessing. Yeah, look, that makes sense. I get, I hear what you're saying about movies. Yeah, uh, people don't in general, but they see that as one of their points of difference. Well, that's because Paramount has such an incredible, vast library, and it should be. But yeah. the way to find those movies is to put them into better categories. Sure, sure. Now, quickly, the bottom a five of our top ten was six Amazon Prime, then Apple TV. I get it, that should be higher. There's not a lot of content there, though. You can you can exhaust that, you know. You can, um, but there's I, I'm, I'm with you. There's good stuff there. Look, a strange one. I had YouTube Premium in our top ten, mainly because there's just so many people watch YouTube, and so many people like it ad free, which is what you get for your fifteen dollars. Fifteen bucks a month, not to have any ads. That's a lot yeah. of money. But I think a lot of people nearly spend their evenings watching YouTube, you know. I suppose. 15 million Australians a month what see something on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, it's staggering numbers. But, yeah, look, it is a big ask, 15 bucks. Uh, then I finished it off with BritBox and Acorn TV. Mm, look, neither probably essential buys, I don't think, because the, the volume of content isn't there. But there's some interesting stuff on both of them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, th- and I think, again, it always comes down to original programming. And I think Acon, Acon are very smart in that they were the ones that did the second series of Miss Fisher's Modern Mysteries. Am I right? Yes, correct. And they've got the second series of the Lucy Lawless one coming, My Life is Murder. That's going to Acorn as well. Yeah. I think. Yep. So, yeah, look, that's smart. They're, they're actually getting on board with the local Australian uh, series more so than some of the big boys. And an interesting commission, we had some news of it today from um, CJZ, Darby and Joan with Brian Brown and Greta Skarki, you know, yeah. um, well, sort of an it. Australian sort of mystery drama, I think. Yeah, I'll watch it. Yeah. They just start together in Palm Beach, that movie that yeah. Rachel Ward directed that was very successful. It was, yeah, yeah. No, I'd watch that. I think it's good to, to commission those sort of quirky, um, yeah. those quirky programs you know, and as I said to Patrick Delaney, look, the way you're going, Stan's going to have more 
Aussie drama than Foxtel soon, I wouldn't have thought that's a great look. No. He didn't seem overly concerned. And the one thing is in his favour, I guess, he's got all the data there from what those viewers watch. So, you know, we love Lambs of God, right? But if you're sitting in Foxtel head office and you're calling up the numbers and Lambs of God's not up there, you're thinking, well, you know, we need to bust a cut making making six or eight of these a year if if the numbers aren't there. But, I mean, they have to, Foxtel has to decide whether or not they're going to put all their money into sport or whether they're going to leave some of that money to make premium dramas, which they've always done. I mean, that's a, what you're saying is that they have a reputation for doing that and why not keep that reputation up? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's essential that they do it. It's, uh, it's something you've got to do to support the industry as well, as apart yeah. from the fact that it mightn't get the numbers. It's prestigious. It's It rubs off on your brand and it supports the sector, which I think you're duty-bound to do. So, and in the end, that show about euthanasia with Francis O'Connor is screening in America this month. I was just reading it there. I mean, the stuff they make, it's, it, it's important. I agree. Look, it's nearly time to wrap up. I'll, I'll come back to you in a second. I just wanted to talk about one of our favourite actors, Saran Jones. Yeah. There's two things coming up well, which we, we can watch out for. One is Vigil, which is a it's like an action drama. I think it's set on a submarine. So sounds interesting. I think she plays the investigator to come on to find out what's what's happened. That's going to be on Foxtel, but it's strange. It's in their new magazine, but it doesn't have a date. It just says it's going to be on demand in August. It's a bit too vague for my liking, but uh, it's not on the platform as of, uh, what, um, August 11 when I last searched for it. So, But that's something coming up. It's, it's had some reasonable reviews after a quick look. Now, this one sounds really interesting. I Am Victoria is another series she's just finished. Think about a little bit crazy. Think about maybe her character in Dr Foster. Sounds a little bit like she's going to be um, visiting that territory again, which is fine by me because, gee whiz, I just love Dr Foster. For sure. uh, A a brilliant um, piece of TV. So I'm not sure who's got that here either yet, so we can investigate that and we'll um, we'll share that when I find that out. Something you want to leave us with, Andrew? Yeah, two things. Very quickly, I want to say I'm really looking forward to the 60th anniversary Four Corners special on Monday night. Longest running Australian program in TV history. 60 years, amazing, well done, and still so good. But the show I watched this week that I didn't realise was going to be as good as it was was Back to Nature with Aaron Peterson and Holly Ringland um, as they just kind of went on this bush walk through the Numanbar Valley and it was, you know, we had the kind of the Indigenous stuff that Aaron was able to talk about and Holly's kind of like this hippie that was kind of giving her vibe on it. And at first I was like going, really? But then I went, oh, my God, this is just beautiful. And and by the time it was over, I was actually calm. (laughs) It's beautiful. And I just went, I loved that show. Did you love it? I, I did, I and I th- kept thinking during, I thought, isn't it great a show like this can get commissioned? That's what I kept thinking about. But then I thought, gee, I wonder how the commission meeting would have gone because 
you can imagine trying to pitch that, and you would have got chucked out in most places. Yeah. They would have laughed and said, come on, you're joking. I was wondering if they had incense burning in the room. <laughs> maybe, maybe they passed around a joint or something because it was so laid back, wasn't it? And they were like these. They didn't speak when they didn't need to. They weren't going yabba, yabba, yabba. There were these huge moments of silence where you were just meant to take it all in. But to have John Williamson, the guest, uh, and for him to explain how he writes music by listening to the songs that birds sing, and then they just went quiet and listened to it. It was like, oh, wow, it's the most I've ever liked John Williamson ever in my entire life. Yeah, look, I think it was great, and there there should be more of it, but I doubt there will be because it um, it would be just a real hard sell. I'm, I'm thinking to get it up, but but I think maybe once people experience, so maybe they had a really good reel or something they could show. But I kept thinking, well, like quite a lot of drone shots of the forest. And they went on and on. I'm thinking, well, they're just doing this because it looks so cool, you know. But it, but it was nice. It was, um, yeah. it was, yeah, it was relaxing, you know. It was, um, and it's a good during this COVID, you know. If you feel stressed out and you just, oh. you just can't handle it anymore, just put this on and lay back and just, just get oh, really yeah. comfortable and get yeah. lost in it. To come out of the 7.30 report, you know, 7.30, <laughs> listening to COVID and rorts, and then to go, oh, actually, no, the world is still a beautiful place. I loved it. Back to nature now on I view. Fantastic. All right, thank you, Andrew. We've covered a lot of ground this week. Some great shows there for uh, for people to start watching. We'll catch up with you again soon, Mr. Uh, Mikado. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe to the Media Week podcast and also check out our RFDS special. See you next time. Thank you, James. <laughs>